fired up. Fourth down and goal from the nine. 17 seconds to go. The play clock at three. Shotgun snap. Car throws nice. into traffic. Nice. Intercepted. Nice. Nice. Jermaine Pratt Woo! has the football. Yeah. Coffin nails. Bam, bam, bam. How about that? It ends on a turnover. Joe Burrow takes the snap. He takes a knee. And after 31 years, yeah. the drought is over. It is no fluke. It is a fact. The Cincinnati Bengals are headed to Super Bowl 56. Welcome back. I'm joined as always by the self-proclaimed producer in the city and Jeff Howell. It is another episode of Pardon the Punctuation, brought to you by Bearcat Journal. And uh, here we are. The NFL draft is over after the week ever for your Cincinnati Bearcats. Um, the, the last seven or so days have been absolutely insane. But we will get that. Um, we'll get to that later on. What's going on with my mic, guys? I don't. I don't know. You're all on mute. I'm trying to figure out if that's yours. I think it's yours. What's what's going on with it? I don't know. Oh, hold on. Now, it's, now it seems to be fixed a little bit. All right. Fair enough. Well, um, so right. uh, the the Bengals, though, they had their NFL draft this weekend. And uh, we, we bring in Dave Simone and the Bangalorean for the first time on our show, Sans Helmet. He does have it with him, but he is chosen to opt out of wearing it um you have been a little uh a little more open with showing your face of as of the last i don't know what like three months or so um but welcome your face to the show <laughs> uh, so so dave we had you on right before the the draft what about two weeks prior i think it was yeah so, something like that two yeah. three weeks before and Jeff took the liberty to go back and listen to oh, I'm the sorry. entirety of the conversation <laughs> so that he could uh, he could check you on what actually happened versus what your predictions were that happened. And I'll, I'll let him take it away. Uh, there, there, there's a reason that uh, we chose to do our pre-draft show with uh, Dave because he's uh, a lot smarter about that stuff than we are. Um We'll just go down kind of the list. This was the order in which we asked it. We fired the names off, so it wasn't like anything else. Uh, Ritter, uh, he did say he thought Ritter would go in. He was a little more hyped on uh, Ritter going in the first round. Uh, obviously, that like things in the draft kind of went a little little funny for quarterbacks, and he didn't go till the third round. Um, Sauce, the only thing he said was he would be uh, surprised if he dropped past the Giants at seven, which obviously that didn't happen. Um, so he's correct there. First, first, uh, Ford, he, uh, called Ford in the fifth round. Uh, he had Pierce going in the third round. He went in the second round, uh, Beavers. He had going in the second round and Ooh. didn't go till the sixth. That was, a, that was um, a miss. That was a miss. Bryant. He had in the fourth. Also, he went in the fourth. Uh, uh he went in the, yeah, sorry. Yeah. That was yep. Very, very beginning of the fourth. Cook he had in the third, and he went in the second. So, yeah, that 
pretty good there. Uh, Sanders, he had in the fourth. Uh, he went in the third. And really the only big miss that I would say was huge was uh, he did not see Brooks being drafted. Yeah, that was in the before he before pro day and before everybody kind of came around on him. And I do have a when we get to you know Dez, I have a little bit of a theory on on that one as well. I mean, I wouldn't but, even I wouldn't even say that Brooks was a a big miss because you undrafted sixth round like that's still pretty close. So you were, I mean, re- really you were within a, a round on most of them. Several of them you hit right on. And then like Beavers, second to sixth. I mean, they, yeah, that was bad. T- but... t- team needs here and there and things <laughs> the way the draft developed, like it is what it is. And then, well, uh, and we will, we will get to plenty of breaking down the Bearcats draft picks, but as we do have Bengalorian here on a little bit of a, a time schedule, um, I do want to make sure that we cover the Bengals before we get into the uh, the Bearcats discussion. So first round, the Bengals at 31. It took a long ass time to get there. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. The first round <laughs> it's is... A, yeah, it's a different feeling when you're not picking fifth or, or higher. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you were watching along with us. <laughs> and I don't know if you guys saw this today, but apparently the Detroit Lions got in trouble not once but twice for having turned in their picks too early. Yeah, I saw that. Well, they—I know their first pick. Like as soon as Trayvon Walker went one, it was almost like instantaneous that they went on the clock, and it said like the pick is in. Yeah, under a minute is what they clocked him at, and the NFL was like, "Hey, hold on, slow down. We got a show to do here. Yeah, like, we got a four-hour television show. We that's, can't be, we can't be doing this. That's yeah. their fault. Yeah, I'm that's here the way for the draft it. should go. Oh, I agree. I, you know, I, I, enough of Chris Angel suspended from a rope in a yeah. straight package. I, I need to I need to give her full credit for this idea, Commissioner Yaz, who some people know on Twitter is this big Bengal fan. She had the idea, yep. and I absolutely love it, that the draft should just not stop. It should continue on. The second <laughs> round just goes at yeah. midnight, and you're picking players at 3 o'clock in the morning. I, I think it would be amazing to watch. Yeah. See, like, if, if teams get delirious and, like, pick wrong guys, if they forget <laughs> the, forget it's their pick, and then you wake up Saturday morning and it's like, welcome, it's the, you know, it's the fourth round of the NFL draft. Yeah. Zach Taylor, by, by round three, is yeah, I mean, I think that, <laughs> weirdly, I think the like staffs might actually like it to like just get it all over with and not have to like end it, come back the next day, and because I'm sure they're not sleeping, like they're still no. doing plenty of prep, like yeah, they're they're all just running on like I don't know whatever medicine I, it is that's not completely suspect at this. I point just think it would be hilarious to like awake. be an insomnia, like because me. I'm just addicted to the draft. Like I probably wouldn't sleep. I would just watch the whole thing through the entire night. Dude, I would I would love that to happen. Like I I like when uh when the when the open championship plays because oh, I can I can get up in the middle of the night to to watch you know golf. Dude, Jeff, so would... as a huge golfer that I am, growing up, that's why it was my favorite tournament. Because like I'd be like, oh, I can get up at like five o'clock in the morning and watch oh, golf. It's awesome. I love doing that. So I would watch. I would watch the draft all through the night. Some midnight madness. You know, I'd you know probably smoke like a pork butt while I was watching it in oh, middle of the night. You know what I mean? Yeah. Huh. 
Yeah. Good idea. Then the NFL, though, then then they lose out on money, and you know how right. they are with their money. That's, why, yeah. <laughs> That's true. They changed it from a Saturday Sunday. They have to make everything its own, its own day, its own more money making thing. I don't know what's happening in that comment. I don't um, <laughs> so, so the Bengals in the first round, when it finally got to the thirty-first pick, and we're we're damn not like none of us are, are accustomed for the yeah. Bengals picking this late in the first round like this is this is unknown uncharted waters for latest, latest they've ever picked Bengals. yeah um but in in the in the first round at number 31 overall the defensive back daxton hill out of michigan who comes in as a safety as a slot corner um they say that he could potentially even play outside corner um some people are calling this maybe the steal of the first round so I, I can't imagine that he's starting. I, I can't imagine that you're drafting Daxon Hill to come in as a starter, knowing what our mm-hmm. cornerback room looks like, especially at, at that slot spot with Mike Hilton already there, with yeah. Jesse Bates and, and Leon Bell there. Um, oh, Von Bell, sorry. Um, so what, what did you guys think of the, the first pick that came in for the Cincinnati Bengals? I, I, I mean, I don't know if anybody truly saw it coming, right? I mean, Booth was there. People thought maybe, well, maybe they'll go for him. And potentially maybe that's a reach. Who knows? But uh, Elam had gone already to uh, – I can't remember where he went. But Buffalo or Buffalo. something like that. Yeah, so, so he was there. Dax Hill was there. They make the pick. I think the whole fan base – and even the media is like, oh, what is this pick? Uh, and then a couple guys popped up saying, I love this pick. He's an athlete. He he brings a, a ferocious tenacity to the defensive back position that the Bengals can use. And Fast I, as I, shit. I yeah, yeah. I don't I don't see him coming in starting. Uh, he's going to come in, and, and we're going to see him rotate in the slot when guys are gassed or, or somebody gets hurt. Uh, I think we're going to – look at our defense at some points this year and go, what, what the hell is that on the field? Because there's going to be three safeties out there in some oddball mm-hmm. formations mm-hmm. and it's going to just trick everybody. Hopefully the opposing quarterback, Kenny Pickett and, and uh, absolutely <laughs> just, I, I just think he's going to come in and be this like Swiss army knife uh, out of nowhere. And I, honestly, well, I say he's not going to start, but I think he's going to play more and I think he's going to be on the field more, uh, than fans think. I think that we're going to see Anarumo use him in some really cool packages. It also makes it a lot easier for the Bengals next offseason yeah. as both Jesse B- Jesse Bates and Von Bell are both on contract years, sure. so you don't have to bring both back, and yep. you have a guy learning behind two experienced veterans. Um, yeah. Dave, what did you think of that pick? I loved it. I didn't expect him to be available to them. So, like, when I was kind of building out my top 10 realistic board, you know, like, I wasn't going to put, like, a, you know, Sauce Gardener in my <laughs> top 10 board because it's not, it's just not realistic. So, Agreed. I had him, I want to say fifth. I had some some order of George Karloftis, Tyler Linderbaum, Devontae Wyatt, and Zion Johnson, and then Dax Hill. And so all of those guys were gone. Karloftis went to pick before. I would have liked to have seen if Karloftis was available, what they would have done. Um, but so I, th- I mean, 
I had him as like the guy to take, just didn't expect him to be there. And I love it just because you have this, it's kind of funny, like the Bengals have become the trendsetters in the NFL over the last two years, which is just an absurd thing to say given their history. But last year you take you take wide receiver over line, and obviously several people, you know, nationally, locally, whatever, fans crucified them for that. That ended up working exactly how they wanted. Then this offseason, you watch teams do anything and everything possible to get wide receivers, to pay wide receivers, to trade for wide receivers, and then on Thursday night to draft wide receivers in the top 12. So what do the Bengals do? They turn around and go, okay, we started this trend on wide receivers. Now we're going to go and flip it on its head, and we're just going to get a bunch of DBs now because, great, you have all the wide receivers. Well, now we can cover them all. And last year, the Bengals ran almost 900 snaps with at least six or seven DBs on the field, which was second in the NFL. So Dax Hill is going to come in in a ton of third safety stuff. He's going to come in in a ton of six and seven DB stuff. Um, I'm interested to see, like, in rookie minicamp, how much they – because rookie minicamp is for experimenting – on this whole, like, can he play outside? Because his profile says he can, but that is a far cry from actually being able to. Um, but you're still, he's still going to play a lot because of what I said with how much they're, <coughs> how much versatility and how many different things they do. I mean, we saw it just in the second half of the Chiefs game. I'm, you know, and this just shows you how much I know. I'm sitting there the first half screaming about no pressure, no pressure, no pressure. And what do they do is they don't even, they go even beyond pressure and they drop eight guys, you know? So it's like you confuse Patrick Mahomes. You confuse Andy Reid from half to half. Confuse Dave Simone. Mm. Well, that's not, that's not hard. But, uh, but no, I just think like, and I don't even look at it necessarily from like the, the whole Jesse Bates angle. Like, I just think he was by far the best player on the board. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they had him in their top 10 to 15. And there weren't, I mean, I heard some teams had as low as 12 first round grades. I heard some had in like the 16 to 20 range. So let's just say, give them the the average of that. Say they had 15 first round grades and he was the 15th. And to get that at 31, like, you'd be a fool not to just draft that almost regardless of position, um, knowing how you like to play and knowing how he fits into that. So I thought it was a slam dunk. As soon as they got on the clock and he was there, I was like, it has to be him. Like none of the other guys, I liked some of the other guys, but none of the other guys were to the level of player that he was. Given how the, given how the first round had gone to that point with, like you said, there were, I mean, there was that crazy run, and when we were on the uh, the BCJ channel, um, when that who's a Drake London when he went, uh, and Chad mentioned like this might start kind of a run on wide receivers, and I think there was a lineman taken after yeah, Drake London, and then eight, they were eight, ten, eleven, twelve, sixteen, and then there was just like this run on wide receivers, and it seemed like people were trading up to get them, and then when it when it rolled around to the Bengals, I mean, after after he got picked. Yeah, there was a lot of people like like Aaron said that said he could be the steal of the first round. I mean, I'd seen like you said that there were 
teams that had him or at least experts that had had him kind of as a uh, a top 15 kind of guy and you're getting a top 15 guy at 31 uh, with the speed 43840 yeah. the versatility to move from safety to slot corner and potentially you know like you said he he might be able to go out to the outside he, I guess he projects that way um I don't know if he played there at all in college um not but really I, but I mean he's got the speed the length the size like the the general things that you would look for so I'm sure they're going to at least experiment look into with it. it I mean yeah. why not but yeah, I, if, if, if you I, can, wouldn't, I wouldn't expect him to be you know even your first or second option there no, but if you have like if you have this depth like CB4. of course it's a good thing. yeah I mean yeah. yeah at first it would be like an in a pinch type thing but I mean to expect him to just go out there and be fine his rookie year like I don't think you want to do that I think you want to put him in a position and it could be multiple positions I mean they said it and he said it like I want to be used in multiple ways but I think that is basically as a third safety and in the slot where he's most comfortable and maybe down the line you find out that okay maybe this guy really can play can play corner um, but I don't think that's something that we'll necessarily see this year unless you know, it's like a couple of years ago when you got LaShawn Sims playing corner and like all hell's broken loose and you have to put somebody out there. And I know some are saying he is the best uh, defensive back out of Michigan since Desmond Howard, at least one scout saying that. So time will tell. Um, but again, you know, an excellent pick as far as depth goes for your secondary. Uh, and they followed that up in the second round with the 60th overall pick. They did trade up to get it, which the Bengals rarely trade up. Um, but they, they jumped up from the 62nd pick um, and took defensive back Cam Taylor Britt out of Nebraska at 5'11". Uh, he was a team captain, played some safety early in his college career, um, and then moved to corner exclusively in his last two seasons. So, uh, Bengo, what, what, what were your thoughts as, again, another defensive back here in the second round? I love it, man. I was a DB, so you can you could you are drafting DBs. You're you were safety, right? What's it? Yeah, I was a strong safety. Yeah, so if you're drafting DBs, you're speaking to my heart, man. He he's a <laughs> he's kind of a, a a smash mouth kind of guy too, in a way. His his attitude, maybe not necessarily like linebacking, but but he he was cool. I don't know if you saw his interview. He was excited to go go up against Jamar Chase and Higgins, these guys in practice, and then polish his game and. Any anytime you're adding to uh, the the team's, I don't want to say like glaring weakness because I think I don't think we have many to be honest. But our our spot that we can improve on is is a good thing, and he'll be good on the outside. He'll rotate through. Uh, he's he's went to the same college as Zach Taylor, so there's a that little bit of a a fun relationship right. there that's going to develop. Uh, and I think everybody we draft is going to fit right in with the boys because we kind of got that the boys mentality on this team now, and, and it's going to carry over into next year. And and he's going to play solid, I think. I, I don't. He's not going to go out there. He's, he's going to fight with Eli Apple to play, right? Um, I don't sure. think he'll, he'll go out there right away. But you know, we'll, we'll have to see. I'm I'm sure that uh, you you guys are less smarter than me on that stuff. But he'll he'll get in there, and I think he'll compete with Apple. Is my kind of big thing. He's also another speedy guy with a sub four four. Really, really yeah. guys. If if we're gonna do anything, if we're gonna make everybody else tired as hell on defense. <laughs> <laughs> so so Dave, what was your takeaway there in the second round? I like I liked Cam Taylor Britt. I felt like I like his 
I think that's something that they really targeted was the back end of the defense needed to get faster, yeah. especially when you saw this influx of receivers coming from the NFC to the AFC, and they might not even be playing all these teams, but it's just like it was like a mass exodus of good players from the NFC to the AFC this offseason. And with Taylor Britt, I kind of got this, and he was a guy that I think a lot of people had that like really study the Bengals and their and the way that they draft and things like that, like had kind of locked in on. And it felt like there was this run on some kind of that second round corner where after him, it was a pretty big drop where you were going to either get like an, a super athletic guy, but, but you didn't, you didn't know if he could like really play corner or you're going to get a, someone that's played corner in college, but didn't test great or didn't run great. And come to find out like, you know, after the fact, Louie and Arumo was talking about like length and pure speed. So like, that's something to just keep in the back of your mind. Like when you look at corners for draft prospects next year, but I mean, it's, it's a, it's a weird thing to be as a Bengal fan is one, you're, you're drafting in the, the very end of a round and two, you're not drafting any player that you're like, this guy, we're going to draft this guy, and the second we draft him, he is starting yeah. day one, no matter how training camp goes, yeah. no matter if he shows up 1,700 pounds overweight or he's way slower than we thought he was. Like He's, <laughs> he's starting. You're getting BPA. Right. And- we're legitimately, and yeah, and BPA to me is always a little funny because like, BPA has to mesh with needs somewhat. Sure. Um, so, like, we everybody knew they needed depth in the defensive backfield, and then you hope that you can take the best player available. Like, you're, you hope that the guy that you like in your bucket of whatever second-round players is also at the position that you need. You don't want to take – which makes them trading up even more interesting because well, they said that this was the last one in their box. I think that's box. what they, they found out, especially like in the second, maybe third, fourth round, that like their buckets were totally ravaged. Yeah. And they were like the, the drop-off from Cam Taylor-Brett to that next quarter probably didn't even – I mean, maybe warranted a third or maybe not even a fourth-round grade. So they're like, if we want to get our guy that fits in this spot and right. that we feel is proper value. We're going to have to make a make a play on it. And so, second round or a, a, what is the sixth round pick to move up two spots? Like, I'm I have a whole thing about trading up, and I wish they would actually do it more. And I think they should do it more now that they have a much better roster. Because, like, I know Duke today even said like he hates trading away picks, but. How many of these sixth and seventh round guys are going to actually make the team when you have a really good team? And wouldn't it make more sense to trade some of those to get his, like the Jets and the Eagles started doing that this year, like trading all these late round picks to get and, top 150 players? And they're not good. Right. But they're, yeah, they're maximizing, like they're looking at this, like there's not a, there's not a number of seventh round picks that can make up for like a first round pick. It's just, you know, it doesn't right. matter how many you have. Right. So, like, I hope the Bengals kind of take that philosophy of we see a guy that we that we want that we feel fits us, and we know that it's more important to get him in the second round than it is to get somebody else and some guy at pick two hundred and thirty. Yeah, that because we have a really good team and a really 
deep roster is probably not making the team anyway. So what's the point in, in doing that? So we, we talked about it. We kind of talked about it a little bit last week that like this, this draft, like when we, I don't know that I was like overly excited about the Bengals draft. I mean, excited to the point where I'm like, yeah, like I want to see who we can add to the, the team. But it was with the caveat that like a lot of these guys that the Bengals are going to be taking this year are guys that are kind of like a, a you know they're going to be in the the second second string guys the third string they're they're going to be waiting their turn to get on the field kind of a backup in a backup position it, it's not the guys like kind of what you alluded to there Dave like this isn't a guy that they're going to draft and they're going to be like you are on the field regardless of what happens in the next like six months like you're going to be starting on Sundays and you better get yourself in some sort of like position to do that yeah. where yeah. you can bring some guys in who are, are quality guys, but you have the luxury of them developing in kind of the background while your roster of, you know, a Super Bowl returning roster here is, is on the field doing what they do. Yeah, I mean, we still have that Super Bowl roster, which is crazy because a lot of times teams go to the Super Bowl and, and it's on the backs of of 30-plus-year-old veterans, right? Because they're right. experienced and they get them there. Our team's young, man. I mean, everybody's back. We lost a few guys here and there, but, like, we replaced them. You know what I mean? Look yeah, at or, yeah. Look, or look you have lot. guys that are, like, so, so up yeah. for contract extensions yeah. and teams pay them out the yep. ass exactly. because they went to the Super Bowl and they want to try to bring some of yeah. that mojo in, and we didn't have really any of that at that either. So, I mean, it's a yeah. great point. It's, it's just, like, drafts are only exciting want. if you've got, like, a shit ton of picks or you're picking, like, super premier players. Like, yeah. you know – it's not going to be exciting when you're picking 31st every round and you only end up with six players. Like from a fan's perspective, like we're excited because we're Bengals fans, but like from a draft, yeah. a draft, you know, perspective, it's, you know, it was just kind of like a, as I like to call it, reading names off a card. And yet millions of people watch that happen, which is still very, very weird. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, it, and it gives you the luxury having a, a team come back as full as it was last year, pretty much to draft guys that will be there in two years. You know what I mean? Like Cam Taylor Britt, right? You're drafting so he can come in and the, the following year after this and and maybe be that guy if he develops. You know what I mean? Yep. So that brings us to the third round. The 95th pick overall was defensive lineman Zach Carter out of Florida, 6'4", 282 pounds. Um, Dane Brugler had him as a sixth rounder. Um, but – I don't know. Most analysts have him as an end as opposed to a three tech that the Bengals are saying that he, they think he could be. Um, he was very productive in college at Florida uh, with 20 and a half tackles for loss in his last 24 games. Um, what were your thoughts on this? Dave, I'll let you start with this one. Uh, I figured this was about the time they would target the position. I was a little just surprised with the name. Cause you know, like you said, yeah, Dane Brugler had him as a later round pick, and I think PFF had him like just outside their top 200. But you know, the the group as a whole was just so bad, and I hate to say that, like, because it's you know, nothing. I could never touch any of these guys and what they're doing, but like they yeah, they really do. they really went on the <laughs> on the versatility again with him where like 
I know a lot of fans were probably like, we want Perry and Winfrey from Oklahoma, who ended up going around later to the Browns. And Perry and Winfrey is a straight-up, one-gap pass rush. Like, he's allergic to stopping the run. He's home run or strikeout. And I just think they looked at it as like, this guy was productive in the SEC. He tested really well. He did a lot of his damage from the interior. And while he might not be exactly what we, you know, it's just, it was just a weird defensive tackle class. And I think they just felt comfortable with him being able to be that 500, hopefully be that 500 snap guy behind BJ Hill. And maybe he moved Cam Sample in there a little bit too. So maybe it's not a true like one for one Larry, you know, BJ Hill last year production to, to Zach Carter production. Um, but like the position makes sense. I think it's just weighing the differences in. And it'll be interesting too, because like the Browns took Winfrey, the Steelers took DeMarvin Leal, the Ravens got Travis Jones, who's not, who can play some three tech, but is, is more of a nose. Um, so it'll be interesting just to like compare all of their careers since they'll all be on teams, you know, in the AFC North. Um, but yeah, I think if you're, if you have a little squabble with it, I don't have a problem with it. Um, you know, could you have gotten them around later? I don't know, but who would you like, who's the pick in his place? And then if, if he's not there in the fourth, then you're like uber screwed at the defensive tackle position where that in corner is arguably the spot that you had the most snaps for someone new to come in and play. So I don't really have a problem with taking him there. You know, you definitely needed an interior lineman and the fact that he can kick in or play the outside. I think that gives him a little bit of versatility as opposed to some of the guys that you've already mentioned going to some of these other teams. But Benga, what were your thoughts when you saw Zach Carter or like even, him. even uh, after you've read up a little bit more on him? Yeah. And that's what it took, right? Like I, I, after reading about him, cause like I didn't, I really didn't know the name to be honest, but then I started reading about him and realizing like, Oh, this guy can stop the run a little bit. You know what I mean? Oh, he can rotate three tech by taking, he can bounce outside a little bit. I mean, look at, and like it, it almost like it fits the pattern of, of what we're doing in this draft, right? We got Dax Hill, right? He's versatile. He can play all these different positions. Mm -hmm. Why not do it with Carter, right? Yep. Like you, you bring in a, a guy like Winfrey, uh, like, like David said, like he's just going to do one thing for you. You know what I mean? Like that's his job. It's always going to do, but a guy like Carter, while maybe he's not like super flashy and and gonna like completely light it up, right? He can he can he's versatile. He can play multiple spots, uh, and I, I like that. So they definitely like their blue collar guys, right? They, the the guys sure. that that are grinders that that yeah. really work to to earn their place. Yeah. And I think this kind of reminds me of when they took um um uh, God, the defensive end that went to Seattle. I don't know why his name's available right now. Yes, thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah. When when they drafted Dunlap, also out of Florida, yeah. um, when he came in and he had low grades because of yeah. his motor, and so they got a guy also from Florida who can play that outside edge, can also kick in, and so it should be interesting to see what, what Zach Carter contributes to this team. Mm -hmm. uh, well, it's interesting after the fact. You, you learn a lot more after. I think the coaches and everybody is like – so relieved to be done that they, I don't know if they accidentally or what, but they're like a little, a lot more open with their comments. And I thought it was interesting that 
Zach Carter said that he didn't have a lot of communication with the Bengals leading up to the draft. So he was kind of surprised when they took him. And yet they brought Perry on Winfrey in for one of their top 30 visits. Yeah. So like, what did they find? You know, you always wonder like, what did you find out that you didn't like? Did, did it confirm something that you already thought? Did you find out something? Cause they could have drafted either one of them. What, right. took them they, off, what, what took them off their board. Right. Yeah. And we'll, and we'll get to it kind of with the, the next pick too. It was a very similar situation. Like, you know, we'll, I can get into that then, but like, it's just interesting when a guy comes in for a visit and then they take a guy that does in our minds, very similar things at the, when they, you know, could take either one of them and they take a different person. So, you know, it always makes you wonder what, what goes on in behind the scenes. Which does bring unless you had anything to add, Jeff. No, no, nope. okay. I'm excited about it. Anna Room is excited about it. So, yeah, which they, do, they, does bring us to our fourth round pick, though, uh, as Dave kind of alluded to 136 overall, offensive lineman Cordell Volson out of North Dakota State University. Um, at, <laughs> the Bison's at 6'6, 315. It's a big boy. Um, NFL.com had him as a, a sixth or seventh round pick. So again, according to somebody's draft, mock draft, whatever, um, they, they have him uh, as a reach, um, but they he's listed as a right tackle. Pollock says he plans to move him to guard. Why? Because he likes his offensive linemen to have some shit on their neck, apparently. In, um, in their neck. In, in, in their in, neck. So, in the actual neck. I mean, on I, the neck, get, uh, I, I want to know how it gets there, but... <laughs> I don't, in I, the neck. I don't know. Uh, he's got God glass eaters and whatever. I, the things that come out of Frank Pollock's mouth just are. I don't, I don't care what they eat or where the shit is. Just block better. Right. <laughs> um, so they they plan to move him to guard, have him compete for the starting left guard spot. Um, especially with what's come out recently with Jackson Carmen, I'm not surprised that they have lined themselves up in a place to potentially move away from Jackson Carmen. Uh, but they're high on his toughness, his work ethic. He's playing with an edge. Um, Dave, I know you're going to probably have plenty to talk about with this, and you've already alluded to wanting to talk about this. So I'll let Bango go first yeah. on, on this one. You're fine, man. I don't know if you guys saw that video of him getting drafted where he's sitting at his barn with all his, yeah. his buddies and the pickup yep. trucks and the flies and the hay everywhere, man. Like out of North Dakota State, 6'6", six, six, three pills plus, like – that just screams I carry hay around for fun. Like, and that, and that's, that's like, that's what I want in a, in a guard is just like a big dude who will just beat you up. And I'm not going to touch the Carmen stuff. Sorry if that, if you guys are wanting to, no, but no, not no, at all. No, like I, no. like I, I want a guy regardless of that to come in and compete with Carmen because uh, regardless of what's going on, uh, and, and how people feel about Carmen, like he's, he's just hasn't really been, um, that hometown awesome story that comes in and just lights a fire under that position's butt. So, like, he needs somebody to come in and either make him better if all that crap clears up or somebody to come in and say, hey, man, sit on the bench because I'm a bison and I'm going to block for this quarterback here. And I like Paul's and I, I didn't know a damn thing about him. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a North Dakota State game in my life but as soon as I saw his corn-fed picture and that video of him in that big old barn getting drafted, and they said how big he was, I said, "That's my guard." And I, I hope he's. I would, I would trust Frank Pollock to watch my kids, man. I love that guy so much, dude. 
you, anybody that's coming up with like saying shit like that, shit in your neck, glassy, or he's just, he's my kind of people, man. So I, I trust him. In, in Pollock, we trust. They saw something in Volson, so let's hope it works out. I hope he's an actual bison on the field. Yeah. Like just, yeah. just yeah. head yeah. down plowing people. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> Dave, what you got? So I like, let's just go with Volson as the player first. Like definitely projects to guard. Definitely has a positive athletic, like a, a positive RAS score when you put it in as a guard. Like he moves pretty well, gets out in space pretty well. Like he's, I mean, four-time national champion. Now that is buoyed a little bit by beat, you know, with the COVID year and stuff. You get a, you get a sixth, you get a sixth year, but still, I mean, four-time national champion. Like he has the, all the measurables from a you know six-six, three-fifteen, um, but like. Watching this stuff and watching these press conferences and everything, and this is this has nothing to do with the report that came out about Jackson Carmen, but this pick just screamed. I mean, and I thought I figured they would take an interior offensive lineman somewhere in the middle rounds, but this pick just screamed like, okay, from Frank Pollock's perspective, Mike Brown has a buddy buddy relationship with Paul Alexander. Jackson Carmen was Paul Alexander's guy last year. You guys listened to him. You picked him. Now it's my turn to pick yep. a guy. Because you just listened to the stuff that he said, and it was like he was talking to Jackson Carmen. Like, right. you know, the prettiest and the best measurables and the five-star recruits, they don't always make it. You got to have some shit in your neck. You got to be, you know, you're, you're, you're working with men. They're trying to take your job. Like, here's a tissue. Go cry in the corner. And all we heard all, off, all all season was like maturity, not prepared to be in the NFL. Is football that important to him? Like, like all these things. And this pick was just like, okay, I get to get my guy now. And yeah, he's not the prettiest. He didn't go to the biggest school, and 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 all of these things. But like, he's got all of the other things that differentiate you. And he's also got a little bit of talent too. Yeah. So. Like, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say I would be stunned. But, like, if I'm making a prediction today, like, I think uh, Cordell Wilson will be the starting left guard the first game of the season. Like, it I would, agree. It yeah, would not surprise me in yeah. the least. And I that, think I'd that, be more surprised if he doesn't get the And job. that might be more of me being like a I need to see it to believe it out of Jackson Carmen because they're going to give him every opportunity. I mean, they, a second-round second pick yeah. they have. Is gonna get all of the chances until they prove that like you just can't do it. Like we have to play this other guy. So it's not you know there's gonna be and and I like the philosophy of like yes they addressed specific needs on the offensive line in free agency, but with that guard position they're kind of just taking the Buffalo Bills philosophy the last couple of years of let's just get a bunch of dudes and throw them out there and have a damn Royal Rumble and see who wins and. And we'll be fine with whatever the outcome is because we feel good about the other guys being solid depth pieces. Like the whole offensive line is, as a whole unit is we talk about the starters a lot, but like the whole group is much, much improved. And if, if, if all Volson does this entire year is keep Hakeem Adenage off the field, he will be <laughs> a wildly successful fourth round draft pick. Uh, so we, we are approaching 10 o'clock. Bingo. I know you've got, some time limits. Uh, we got two picks left. You still want to stick around for both of them? Drive right. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Oh, let me let me real quick. Same thing happened with the Zach Carter Perry on Winfrey throwing with Colder Volson. 
they brought in Jamari Salyer for right. a visit right. from, from Georgia, right. who I was a fan of, like had a decorated career, played, you know, all across the offensive line for Georgia, and he doesn't get drafted until the sixth round. So, like, they could have taken him in the third. They could have taken him in the fourth. They could have taken him in the fifth. And they ch- – I mean, they didn't take him, and nobody else did either. So, it's like, what – you know, visits aren't always about, like, learning more about guys you want. It's about – some. a lot of it is about answering questions about guys you're not sure on. Sure. Makes perfect sense. I mean, yeah. if you can if you can bring a guy in and take him off your board, that's just as valuable as checking off the boxes to keep them – on the board or move them up. So yeah. Uh, fifth round uh, at 166 overall defensive back Tyson Anderson out of Toledo, who I feel is probably the most intriguing pick to me. Um, 6'2", 210. They traded up eight spots, gave up a seventh round, and we know how much they valued the picks, um, but they did trade up to get him. He ran a- another guy running a sub 4-4 uh, at 4-3-6. He was a team captain and a valedictorian in high school, so he's not a slouch on the books. Um, he's said to have big football IQ. And, again, you brought in another guy who could potentially take over at one of those safety spots. At 6-2-2-10, though, you potentially could have him, if you if you train him upright, as one of your corners as well. He's like and again, your, with your, your Von Bell replacement. Yeah, yeah. Your box safety, your big slot, your your Trey Flowers. How they kind of use him with the tight ends. He's another guy in the, in that kind of mold. Well, it's six two two ten for sure. He's definitely a, a Trey Flowers comp. Um, so, Dave, you already started a little bit of your breakdown on him. What you got? Nine hundred special team snaps. Yeah. Like that's impressive. Fifth yeah. round, like what? Like like I kind of said earlier, like fifth round, sixth round. What are you going to get out of these guys? Where, what do they do great? Like, I know a lot of fans are like, we didn't get a wide receiver. We didn't get, like, I'd rather get a guy in the fifth round that's going to play every special team snap and make an impact there than maybe get on the field as a fourth wide receiver and only really get on the field if somebody gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't see a ton of snaps for him defensively this year, but. That's not an, I don't think that's an indictment on him. That's just, I mean, he's Brandon Wilson is probably almost assuredly cut. So he's, he's in that safety rotation likely if guys get hurt, but like just the athletic profile again, like we keep going back to the, I mean, they had the, a top, a fifth ranked athletic profile of the entire draft class um, in the, in the NFL. So you're just looking at, Speed, athleticism, matching up with all these wide receivers and the way that these offenses are running, and and you just can't. I mean, like it's silly. It's it seems you know obvious. To say like you can't have enough speed. You can't. They you know we they clearly factor in intelligence, team chemistry, three time three time captain, like the master's degree in leadership. Like how do you even get a degree in leadership? Um, that's mm. that's one of the easier ones. If I'm like I'm, I'm not, that was one I looked at. <laughs> I don't even know. Like, what, what, do you, what kind of what kind of classes do you offer to get a master's in leadership? I have one. It's a it's an organizational leadership. Yep, organizational yeah. leadership. Like it was between organizational leadership and, and communications for me. So I, I, I get it. You you have worse. You you have a master's ed? Oh no, it's bachelor's. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My master's yeah, is like, badassness. This dude was like, he's just coming in hot, like. 
I have a voice and it needs to be heard. Like, hell yeah, man. Like, thank you. But yeah, I mean, from a football standpoint, like just the measurables and stuff and the special teams element makes it in the fifth round. I feel like, uh, you know, a solid, a solid pick. Did he pop in just to say that? Yes, he did. He was he had a a leadership degree. He was heard that that Dave was was making his leadership degree out to be like. No, I'm not. not, Like, hey, get get a a master's. Like, I just don't know. Like, what are the? I'd love to know. Like, what are the classes you take? Uh, Here's coming back. (laughs) There's some classes that we took. Yeah, he can't even remember. (laughs) Nope. All right. Um, Emotional intelligence classes. Some other stuff. <laughs> Good work, Ed. Um, but you see again with this pick how much like emphasis they put on on those kinds of things, like being the team captain, being you know, he's a high school valedictorian and has you know he's working almost to, he's almost done with his his master's degree. Like the the culture shift of the Bengals is like we we saw it kind of start, and it's like this is what it is. Like we're not going after. You know, the edgy guys that are, you know, have some issues, maybe on the other side, whatever. Like, these are all leadership guys like that are melding together and are coming together with, with like one purpose and able to execute in that fashion. And it, it's, I think it's great to see. And it, it, it kind of, you know, makes you a little more proud to be a fan of that organization. Um, but I, I mean, I like this pick. Another fast guy to to put on the uh, back end of the defense. What you got, Bingo? Yeah, I, it's another guy that I had to read about. To be honest, I mean, I Toledo. It's cool. It's an Ohio school. Uh, I did a tryout at Toledo way back in the day to try to walk on there. They didn't take me. Joke, jokes on them. Look at me now. But uh, <laughs> the uh, right. uh, but uh, they. Uh, I, I think uh, like the speed and the leadership. And all these buzzwords is is just what we're trying to fill this locker room with, and and the 900 special team snaps. And Dave already covered it. Like, what do you want? Like a a receiver that's that's like, uh, hey, come on, man, Jamar's winded. Go block for a play, right? Like, is that what you want, or do you want a guy that maybe is going to get out there on special teams and? I don't know, knock the ball out of somebody's hands and, and, and we get a turnover. Right. And then all of a sudden we've got great field position. And it's time to go. Mm-hmm. Like they, I, I like, I like to pick after reading. Right. And, and uh, I, I, again, it's just, it's the speed, man, the speed, 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 speed. We are going to be so damn fast this year. Agreed. Especially on special teams. If, yeah. if nothing else, especially on special teams. Yeah. Cause um, him and him and Taylor Britt are going to play a lot of special teams. Well, yeah. Who, Who's going to be returning? Chris Evans. I said on Twitter I was going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Is it going to be Chris Evans, you think, Dave? Chris, Chris Evans on kickoffs, and yeah. right now I'd say Trent Taylor on punts. Okay. Oh, yeah. Right. I like that. I, honestly, I think that's all Trent Taylor's going to do this year. I don't hey, think as long as he doesn't drop the ball twice like Darius Phillips, I really don't care what he does. Yeah. Same. That was awful. <laughs> oh. So, seventh round, 252 overall. <clears throat> the, the Bengals' final pick. Was defensive end Jeff Gunter out of Coastal Carolina stands at 6'4, 260. He's also fast, ran a 4'7. Yeah. Um, a pass rush specialist. They're calling him like a, 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 a <laughs> Joseph or yeah, Joseph Osai Jr. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, 22, and and he's a, a junior himself. I mean, he hasn't seen a snap, an NFL snap, like actual NFL yeah. game snap. Uh, but at 22 and a half tackles for loss, 13 sacks his last two college seasons. Um, Coast Carolina's been good. So, uh, of course, Geoff likes the fact that his name is also Jeff. Um, Not a bad so, name. So, Bengo, what, what you got on, on Jeff Gunter? I like him, man. And not just because he was one of the first ones to respond to me. On Twitter. Like, uh, <laughs> I wondered if you were going to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, his profile, he, he reminded me of CJ Uzama a little bit. That's why I immediately kind of latched Because he was like laying, yeah, that, laying down. Funny, like... funny pose, but, um, I, I like his size and I like that 4-7. Um, and like a lot of times, just like a seventh round, I mean, seventh round, it was seventh round, right? I, yes. Yeah, okay, because we lost our six. A seventh round guy is kind of like, yeah, is he going to be there? Is he not? Like, um, we need guys, we need bodies to rush, right? And I, mean, I feel like he has a real shot to come in and actually maybe be a rotational piece, right? I mean, shit, we got Hubbard, uh, Hendrickson's here, uh, Osai coming back. So essentially, we've got two rookie pass rushers, right? So, like, I, I don't. I don't see him as like the, the prototypical seventh round guy. That's like uh, at the end of the season, you're like, Oh yeah, I remember that guy. I, I think he has a shot to actually rotate in. Dave. I agree. I liked it. Seventh round. You're looking for traits. Yeah. And production. And he's got, he's got both of them. I mean, and I'll never fault him for taking an edge player. So the seventh um, round is, is totally for the high risk, low reward player. Right. Like, I don't even think he's that. Like I, I'm kind of surprised he was still there. Like he was a guy I looked at in the sixth, seventh round when I was looking at things, but like mm-hmm. he's got the traits. He's not one of these like tweener dudes that's, you know, six, two, two twenty. you know, he's got all the traits. He's got the athletic testing. He was productive. And in the seventh round, like, I mean, like, like Bengo said, like, so many times you just draft these guys in the seventh round and it's just like a throwaway pick. Yeah. Like you look at him and you're like, there's no way this guy's making the team. Like he, he's not athletic or he didn't produce in college. Like, so it's like, you know what this one, and we'll see with last year's seventh rounder too. Why, why at Huber? Cause he oh, yeah. got hurt. And mm-hmm. I don't like, I love just taking edge guys. And in, in uh, Gunter's case, like he's a dude, like I knew who he was. I've seen him play at coastal Part of the reason I love him was because he dog walked Zach Taylor or Zach Wilson on an inter- at the interception <laughs> at the end of the first half when they played yeah. BYU on that kept, short week. Yeah, kept pile driving him into the ground. So we know he's got a little fire in his belly. But but yeah, I mean, like seventh round, get a dude that is athletic and has shown that he can do something, and yeah. and see what happens at a position that you know you can never have too many guys that can get to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. All right, so. Before we go into any undrafted free agent signings, um, I'm going to give you one more out here, Bengo, if you got to go. Um, but I, I do want your final assessment on the actual draft before you go. Yeah, I, I, I got I do got to get, but like, I, I, like, if you look at a lot of the like uh, overall draft grades this year that the like big name, I, I guess companies, whatever networks put out, like they all seem like really, really high this year. Uh, there was a lot of like A minuses. I think well, I don't know if it was like PF. I don't know which one it was, but like the average was like A minus. But uh, I like I I think we're a B plus. Like I really I think I think we did a, a solid job. Like you're not picking Jamar Chase at 31. Do you know what I mean? Like we 
we we identified a need and then we're, we're able to go okay that guy kind of meets our need and he's the best guy on the board right like look at Dax Hill like I, I think we did a good job I really like the draft uh I'm partial to DBs like I said already and I'm excited to see these guys get out there and contribute any way they can right and I know we traded away two picks but like did we though Wyatt Hubert Joseph Osai coming back boom there's there's your fill-in for the two picks so I don't know. I, I loved it. I, I'm 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 super biased being a kind of a super fan anyway, but right. uh, I, I love it, man. I'm excited to see these guys contribute. Last question before you go, I promise. Um, yeah. are, are, are Pickett and Pickens the new Burrow? Man, if you, all right. Now, all right. You got till 1045? Because I'll sit here and talk crap you mean, all you mean, you mean tall Dalton? Yeah, here's Kenny. Kenny Pickett's throwing the football. Did you guys, okay, did you guys see the thing on Twitter of the meme of like Kenny Pickett holding an AirPod? Yeah. The air, yeah. The AirPod oh my is, God. That was so like, funny. Oh my God. And then the, then the three minute highlight reel of Pickens committing penalties that'll that'll ruin a game for any other team. He's a stealer, right? Like, totally a stealer. <laughs> Dude, so. he's he's a dude. We you better hope that he doesn't. We better hope he doesn't get his head stuff figured out. Oh yeah, but that I, guy I know can, he's good. But that's he the, he's the best wide receiver to come out of Georgia since AJ from a pure yeah, but he's, wide he's receiver standpoint. Now. He's playing with men now, not the oh, yeah. boys. So we'll see. All right, hey, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. I love you. Uh, give me a call anytime. I'll come on and talk about whatever the hell you want. I got I got Bearcats hat on today too, so we can talk Bearcats too, man. All right. Thanks for joining us, Bangalorean. We do appreciate it, sir. Yes, sir. Right, see you, buddy. There's, there's yeah. the, uh, the so AirPod. Funny. Can he pick it holding the AirPod? <laughs> <laughs> that is are, like, are his hands really like, like oh, yeah. un- unusually small for a quarterback? They're unusually small for like a normal human. Like I'm five, <laughs> I'm five, seven for and I have small hands. And I did the whole like measuring thing, and my hands are bigger than his. That's wild. Like, put the tape measure down and spread your hand out like you're at the combine. And yeah, it's all right. So, so are there any undrafted free agents? Oh God! <laughs> Goodness, um, are there any undrafted free agents that you're excited about, Dave? I don't even know. Uh, yeah, one Justin Rigg because he went to my high school. Okay. Fair Other enough. than that, I. Well, and he happens to be a tight end. Where again, you know, I, I know I brought up earlier uh, that they who's going to be returning the the kickoffs and punt returns. Good lord, man! <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that that's ever going to get old. No, um, um, but like, did they bring anybody I, in who's really going to compete? Like a la Avantes Perfect or a la? I mean, they. Yeah, I don't. I. I can't. I think I'd be talking out my ass if I said one way or the other. Like, there's some guys that I'm maybe a little intrigued by, but like, do I see him making the roster? Uh, I don't know. Like, Carson Wells had a nice career at Colorado as an edge guy. Um, the Ben Brown interior lineman from Ole Miss, just because we know <laughs> we're going to keep the Burger King commercial with that. That's a classic. And it's from the Florence Yalls. They've been on a roll. On social media, oh, role. I, I like how they just go at the Reds. Yes, like I, I love it. That's my 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 total dream is for the Bengals to just finally be like let's really own this town, and they just go at the Reds. Ugh. But uh, no, I mean I don't I don't know. Like they got a pretty damn good roster already. I'm 
have a feeling they're going to still play a little bit in free agency. There's still a lot of pretty solid players available. Are they going to bring in like a Will Fuller V or I, mm, I, like, I know I don't know if I, like I don't know if I go that far. Um, Emmanuel Sanders is the name that that's another would, one would interest me. He's obviously he's on the older side, and that's why he's still available. But Isn't like Keelan Keelan Cole still available? Keelan as well? Cole definitely. Um, I'm pretty surprised he's not. Well, on he was the team. A, he was a name that was associated with the Bengals even at the start of free agency. Yeah. So you know, wide, maybe wide receiver, maybe a tight end, but nobody that you know, unless circumstances get crazy would, that you would think would make a huge, huge impact. But um, there's a, and they went pretty hard. It's funny. They went, they signed two, well, they looks like they're going to sign two kids from two other kids from coastal, their wide receiver and their running back. The wide receiver yeah. had a hell of a year. He had like 1200 yards and seven touchdowns or something this year. But um, yeah, there's always that one guy that yeah, shows they that, that they, shows they did out. sign him already. Yeah. J- the, Javon highly and yeah. uh, Shamari Jones. Yeah. Right. There's always one or two guys that that grab your attention, but I mean it's a pretty deep roster. It's a pretty young roster. They're going to have to be pretty damn good to to make final cuts. Are you surprised Kevin Huber resigned for another year? Not after they didn't draft a punter. I was going to so, say, were you were you surprised that they didn't draft a punter somewhere in there? Um, I think I mean, when guess- they when the punter run went in the I think it was the four, what the fourth round. I think they were not going to take one that early. Um, if if it started around the fifth or sixth round, then maybe. But not, after they not, not after they, what they took in the fourth round, well, right? after they started trading away picks, I was like, "There's no way they're going to do that." Trade away picks, and then also take a punter. Right, take a punter. So, how would you grade it, Dave? As you are one for the, I'm, I'm sure you've read all the grades as many as you could find, anyway. Um, and, and you know who they're who, who people's sleeper picks are. So, what is your your best steal in the draft, and what would you grade uh, this particular draft? Uh, I would give it a, just a solid B for the for the fact that unfortunately it's more of nothing against what they did and about where they were drafting. Like you're right. just not gonna get in. A lot of plus. opportunities to get yeah. impact guys. So, I mean, the steal of the dra- steal of their draft to me is Dax Hill. Like to get him in the first round, I just did not expect it to happen. Um, there was not really another situation where there was like an obvious guy that fell, you know, thirty spots and just fell into their lap. Um, so when you only take six players and you're picking at the back of rounds and you're not picking impact players because you don't or you're not picking like immediate starters because you don't need to, I can't give it like a high, high end grade. I guess I could say B plus if Volson wins the left guard job, because that means you'll have drafted your top four picks will play a lot. Significant time. Even yeah. if they're just in, in, in a reserve role. I mean, but then, then you go back to, you know, like Tyson Anderson, who's probably going to, Get a lot of snaps on, on special teams. Oh, for sure. So you, you I mean, you, if you want to go all the way back that far, you'd say like, you know, five of your six picks 
there and then who knows what you get out of Gunther, yeah I, I just i just can't give them like a a or something when <laughs> right, you no, absolutely. when you look at like a, a jets draft that they get sauce man garrett wilson and and yeah you know, jermaine johnson jermaine johnson the first round like that's that's what an a is to me like you know gotta, gotta keep it. keep the homerism down a little bit still no, still I, still a good draft but no, I, I agree with i agree with the b um that that's where i kind of came to my conclusion was a B and it, it all came back to, to what we discussed last week. And, and then like when you were here the, the first time um, that this wasn't a, a draft. I know we kind of hit on all these points already, but it's not a draft that you're going to be able to, to, to take a sauce gardener uh, without you know, trading every other pick that you have to give up, up your future. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mortgaging all that to, to get up there to, to take somebody like that. And, and you don't need to, you don't, um, the team that they've got is obviously a very good squad already, and you need to address some issues um, that they had, and Aaron pointed that out. They they identified the things that they needed and where they needed to backfill and potentially somebody that they could grab a little bit later in the draft that may very well take over at, at left guard, may be able to fill in there as the starter. So you get that. And I don't want – they're safe picks – they're all you know, pretty safe picks, I would think, for what they needed and where, who they needed to fill in for. Uh, so yeah, definitely no huge a, risks. No, a good, a good solid B. Um, and when you're when you have a team that is coming off of a Super Bowl year, a good solid B draft is just about all you need to make sure that you can at least stay at a competitive level. Look, we all know oh. that it's very difficult to make it back to the Super Bowl ever. Sometimes teams make it and then never go back for. 10 years, 12, 15 years, whatever, but to be able to be competitive during the season, give yourself a shot to have a run in the playoffs. That's all you need to do is have a, a nice solid B of a draft and, and fill in the holes that you've got. And it's a B draft following what an A minus, maybe a B plus free agency period. Yeah. The oh, only yeah. thing, the only yeah. thing you didn't get that are were glaring needs, I guess, were maybe uh, another cornerback, which still could be addressed. As it looks like uh, the Giants' cornerback may be cut this week, um, and that, that's somebody. Uh, what, what's his name? Um, James Bradbury. Yeah, Bradbury. Um, I know that there's been some links there um, as far as interest from Lou Anarumo. Shocker. Um, and and the oh, only uh, shit is that. The only, <laughs> the only other position of needs that, that I guess I was surprised they didn't address in the draft were maybe tight end and receiver. Uh, but again, there's there's certainly some receiver options out there that would still improve your squad. Um, corner, again, like we said, uh, it's already been talked about. Tight end, I don't know. Outside of Hunter or uh, Hayden. Hayden Hurst, um, that you really need to do much more. They just don't really – I mean, they don't – I think Hayden Hurst is going to fit them better than CJ did. Um, yeah, and they don't—they just don't really utilize the tight end, and they don't run—they run more more eleven personnel than almost anybody in the league. So They're it's not, like not often in that jumbo package that you like would if, want. If you've got yeah three elite receivers and a really good running back, like how many throws are you really going to give the tight end? Like, why do you need to allocate, you know, high draft picks or high? free agent dollars to a position that you're just not going to throw the ball to that often. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know. I, I definitely appreciate what they did in the draft and what they did in free agency even more. Uh, so 
I, I guess we're kind of at a hurry up and wait as we wait for it. I know uh, voluntary training camps did start. Jesse Bates did not show up, uh, which should surprise nobody as he was a franchise tag. And uh, I mean, as you're kind of worried about, uh, I don't have a contract past this year. Why am I going to do it? He hasn't even signed it yet. Like I wouldn't be doing anything if I was saying no. no. Yeah. And there's no reason to. Really. No. So I think that's anybody who's trying to make a big deal about that. It's much ado about nothing. If I'm being like, in my opinion, um, outside of that though, anything else you got on the, the draft and or free agency in regards to the Bengals? No, I'm, I'm ready for football season. Is it, is it here yet? <laughs> I will say Dave also called in his little, uh, his little thing last two weeks ago. That there would be no Bearcats taken by the Bengals. Nail on the head. <laughs> um, and you kind of knew that the last hope was over uh, in the uh, third round. Once they took an interior defensive lineman, um, you knew that Brooks was not going to be a guy that fit. If you, There's no way you took both Zach Carter and Curtis Brooks. Un- unlikely. Pick. So, um yeah, didn't didn't seem to be an option there. Um, the only, I guess, the only other option after that pick was maybe a Kobe. But once he was gone in the fourth, yeah, game over. Um, moving on to the Bearcats draft, as this will be the last segment that we we keep Dave around for, and then we will probably have like a two minute segment on the Reds, uh, and then get out of here. But uh, so so nine Bearcats picked. Jesus. I do. Not, oh, I do have a. After we talk Bearcats, I do have a, a Reds question that I want to ask all you guys. All right, we'll okay. keep you around for that then. Um, so nine Bearcats picked the highest Bearcat picked in history. Uh, first Bearcat picked in the first round in fifty years. Um, this was a Bearcats fans' dream draft, and they finished with the third most picks of any school. In the entire draft, um, outdone only by Georgia and LSU, I believe. Yes. Um, so what were your thoughts as the weekend played out, as you removed yourself from being a Bengals fan and put your Bearcats hat on and just kind of watch this in the eyes of, of a Bearcats fan, Dave? Well, I mean, it's obviously awesome. Like, you get, you know. Fucking incredible. Be around these dudes and what you know, it's been a ridiculous run for this crop of guys for as many years as they've been here. I mean, Curtis Brooks from Curtis Brooks being here when Tuberville was here to Jerome Ford, you know, the last couple of years. But um it's obviously awesome, awesome weekend for all those guys for the program. Um I think the thing that I will remember just specifically was like Watching the draft on round two, but not like, or was it was it two or three? I don't remember. Was Cook second round or third round? Second, second round. round. So like I'm watching it, but I'm not like super, super paying attention. And I see his name pop up and I was like, oh, yes. And then I, I like cheered like the Bengals just drafted Jamar Chase or something. Right? I was just so fired up for him. Like, because I, I just wasn't sure how. His draft was going to end up because he what, didn't do any of, the, any of the pre-draft stuff. Yeah, so I didn't yeah, know if that injuries. meant like people told him not to do it. Like, hey, we like you. We're good with your tape. We're good with your medicals checked out. Like, you don't need to go on all these visits and and do all this stuff. Or was it like, you know, were all these teams nervous? But, 
you know, that moment, um, Sauce Gardner telling the owner of Johnson and Johnson that <laughs> that what goes into his sauce chain, I will never stop laughing at that. Like I don't think Sauce realizes how rich the the Jets owner is. Um, well, nor does he care. If no, being, no, like, like, like he, he doesn't care. A, he has a Louis Vuitton man satchel standing outside of a private plane talking to Woody Johnson about what sauce he puts into his his necklace. It's just his like newest newest <laughs> adornment. It's just one of the most surreal things you, you could watch <laughs> when you like take all of the elements into account. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a, an a, I love seeing like all the clips of the behind the scenes stuff of the of the phone calls and, and, and that stuff. And, and I know like, I want all these guys to go as early as possible, obviously, but like, I feel like Dez's situation is he's going to look back on it hopefully and be like, I'm glad that this is the way that it played out. Cause I think it's a great spot for him. Um, so I do but, want to talk about each of these guys individually. Okay, sure. We can do all that. Right. So we'll we'll go by. Do you want to go by order that you had them in, or do you want to no, go what, whatever you want? Like, how? Just go by order they got drafted. Order they got. All right. Yeah, let's go that. Order they got drafted. So Sauce Gardner, tell me about like basically just where they were picked and how it fits. Like how you think they they will fit. I mean, in, Sauce in that was situation. A, a top five draft pick, no matter what. Like, I mean, I think there's teams that had incredible him as, had him as high as the first or second overall player on their board. Um, I mean, if you saw the Jets draft room when they called him, you could tell they wanted him bad and were very happy that he was there. I mean, so um, I was like screaming oh, yeah. sauce into the phone like as loud as possible. I mean, so was the head coach. Yep. Salah, yeah. Salah coached Richard Sherman, and that's like a, a comp that is given to sauce a lot. So well, I Richard mean, Sherman said he was the best, and it the makes, best quarterback it makes in the draft. You know, the Jets have a lot of smaller corners, but now they have their bigger corner that can match up with anyone, you know, Stefan Diggs, you know, Tyree Kills, the Jamar Chase, all the guys are going to get in the AFC. So, I mean, I think the fit works. I think Sauce is going to, you know, I've never seen a dude, too, like universally when people would tweet his, tweet something out about him, the mentions. 100% were like, got to get him on our team, whoever that team was. Like, love him. Like, like so, I mean, I think he's just going to, you know, hopefully do great things in New York and and keep building on what he's, do- what he's done. So, with, with Sauce being the fir- the highest drafted Bearcat ever, like, what, like, we, we talked about this a little bit on the, uh, the draft show that you showed up in and out on as you were under the weather. But what does this mean for for the Bearcats to have a guy go fourth overall? And do you think he has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because he went after Stingley, where that only really came to fruition over the course of two or three days before the draft that all of a sudden Stingley was targeting a number three overall pick? I'm sure he's got a chip. I mean, you always see these guys, you know, whether it was – Tom Brady or these other dudes that are like, I remember all 13 wide receivers that were drafted. <laughs> You're like, yeah. I think that's just like, Hey, whatever you need to do to get yourself motivated, like do it. Like, I, you know, the Chad Johnson is DB list and, and all those things. So like, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked at all. If, if sauce felt, 
you know, slighted or whatever. But uh, from the program standpoint, like just more free advertising, more, you know, and that, you know, Jeffrey kind of brings it up. Like I didn't want sauce to go to Houston. Like that place is a mess. So like, yeah, it would be great to say like you got drafted third, but like, does the organization that drafts you know how to build a defense? Do they fire defensive coordinators every year? Do they, you know, so like the fit matters so much more. Like I think fans look at draft picks and when they bust out, they just automatically like say, well, this guy was just a bust and they don't ever not, or I shouldn't say don't ever, but very rarely go like, yeah, he was put in a terrible situation. Like he was never going to succeed. Like they didn't develop him. They did all these things around him. Like that matters so much more. So like the Texans first, first pick when they became an expansion team in, uh, in car where I mean, they just didn't didn't put anything around the guy. Like Uh, ever you look at like the Browns and everybody that's got a a Browns Jersey that has 700 quarterback names. And I mean, they, I think coordinator fired. I mean, I mean, I'm not a Baker Mayfield apologist, but like the guys had four offensive coordinators in four years. Like obviously he needs to do some things on his own, but like that certainly isn't helping him. Oh, played through injury and it hurt him. So So no pun intended. Yeah. the, The program, like, yeah, I mean, they we don't see half the stuff that they're sending out to, to the kids and, and the things that they're doing right now. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, Sauce has, has, has made a name for the program from a, especially from a DB standpoint, like dudes know him. And that's yeah. not even just like Detroit, like they know who he is. Yeah. So, and, that, and that's the thing is like, you know, you could tell a kid about your guys and that they're good or not, but like they're, these kids are all over the country and they know he was a bad dude at UC. And then they just saw him get drafted in the top five. So well, it's Sal- the thing that I brought up last week though. Like when we, I guess it wasn't even last week. It was the, the first round of the draft we did on the uh, BCJ thing. You know, being able to sit down in a kid's living room and say, look like, because to them stars mean the world everything, and to sit down with a kid and say, we had this guy, he was a, a three-star, or he was a two-star, or a guy like, what, I, I think Cook was like, had no stars coming out of high oh, school? Had, right? Yeah, one, one like, offer, and it was the Howard. Like, so, like, we had these guys, and we brought them in, and they, you know, listened to the plan, they, they stayed the course, and through their own determination, and then the path that we were able to guide them on, they went ahead and got drafted and now you know in a couple years you look at maybe you look at some of the production some of these guys have in the nfl and you're like look at these guys because we've been hanging on the on the 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 kelsey bandwagon for a very long time of like look at this guy this guy and now we can say look at all of these guys right hopefully down the line they're all you know productive enough that you know you can you can point to them but at least the fact that they were given the opportunity to be drafted and have the chance in the nfl to to have some success well salah the head coach at, at for the jets uh being a defensive guy i think that's only going to play to sauce's hand and it should be really interesting to see what he ends up doing in the biggest city and in, in outside of la oh, um, yeah you know so that should be a a really good fit i don't i don't think that city's going to swallow him up the way it may some other people in new york um cook Brian Cook ends up being the second Bearcat pick. Uh, Alec Alec Pierce. Oh, 
Touche. I, I did skip over him. Alec Pierce ends up being the second Bearcat picked. Um, goes to the Colts and what may be the best fit for any Bearcat selected. Um, so what were your thoughts when, when he went there in the second round to the Colts? Yeah, you had this like little run of receivers kind of start there when the Patriots, I don't know what, doing very Patriots-y things when they took Tyquan Thornton from Baylor ahead of Alec Pierce and Sky Moore and I think maybe even one other receiver. There was like a real fast run of like three or four receivers at 50, 52, 53, something like that. Um, but they needed a vertical threat. They needed, I mean, they have Michael Pittman Jr. and not a whole lot else. So, I mean, he's going to get thrust in there and, you know, there's, he's definitely got some things to, to work on with his route tree. But I mean, from a size, speed, physicality standpoint and a, and a go up and get it standpoint, like there's not going to be many dudes better in this draft. And I think it fits him. I think it fits him from a personality standpoint. I think he'll feel comfortable there. Yeah. Um, not far for his parents to have no. to say not, not yeah. far from home. And he's got a he's got a pretty good quarterback there to throw him the ball. Exactly. So. exactly. I mean, you, you go into a situation that they got a really nice offensive line, they got a fantastic running back, and now they have a a pretty damn good veteran quarterback, too. So, you know, I think the Colts are definitely feeling like they, you know, last year ended with a pretty sour taste in their mouth, and they've still got a really damn good team. So um, I think another like you know a different type of situation than Sauce finds himself, but I think one that you know again I just want to see these guys go to, to good spots for them, yeah, where they can maximize their careers. And it does you know, would you rather go thirty sixth or fiftieth? But the spot at fifty is just like a way better fit for you. So, so you know. what, what did you think of the Jordy Nelson comps that were? everywhere i am laughing at your mike evans comp that's absolutely ridiculous <laughs> I, I think jordy nelson's a lazy comp well because you'd say it's lazy because they're both white i say it's pretty spot on because they're like very very similar wide receivers <laughs> how they win their measurables like it's it is it is a pretty damn good comparison. And we'll see when when he's when he's putting up Mike Evans numbers. We'll, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I, um, I, I heard that on the on the on the PVP. I laughed out loud. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, I, mean, I Brian, hope he is, but like Mike Evans, six five, almost two thirty, was like a top fifteen pick. So, like I said, we'll see. I just I don't like the automatic going to the the white guy like oh he really reminds me of Brandon Stokely because he plays for the Colts like come on man get well, out of here they don't remind it those two don't remind me of each other at all Brandon Stokely's like five five nine <laughs> just I thought it, I thought Jordy Nelson was lazy anyway um, Brian Cook <laughs> Brian Cook goes in the second round which I mean let's let's talk about this dude who was a Howard player for two years with no other offers. And then Luke Fickle brings him into the fold and he ends up playing his, his breakout game was the, the peach bowl against Georgia. And all of a sudden he's a starter this past season and he makes the absolute most of it. 
to where he ends up. Are, are the Chiefs? Can we confirm that the Chiefs are the Super Bowl contender, like the the Super Bowl favorites for the AFC? Uh, I mean, betting odds I think have the Bills first, then maybe the Chiefs, then the then Ra- Bengalsy the Ravensy something yeah. like that. Chargers maybe somewhere in, in any area. case. I would I personally I would put the bill if I was a betting favorite, I would say Bills, then probably Chiefs. He's going to end up being the Honey Badger's replacement. And holy shit, this dude's career path I mean has he's been a, insane. He's a second round pick. They're expecting him to either start, start. or you know be I think mean, have, I have I impact. I can't pretend to know the Chiefs depth chart. Sure. I know I know Honey Badger's gone and they signed Justin Reed, but like Justin Reed's just a dude to me. Like, so a jag. Yeah. Just a guy. He's a jag, just a guy. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you're a second round pick. Like, they're expecting you to come in and either be a starter or compete for a starting job. And, and depending on what they like to do, I mean, I know that you like to run a lot of press man, but um, depending on what they do, like, play a lot. So, again, another good situation. Like, we know how much Andy Reed likes UC players. And you take them in the second round like they're expecting something out of you. Just so impressive for that guy. And and just, you know, I mean, I don't know how often you got to talk to him. I never really got to talk to him. But just listening to his interviews, um, just you know how much this means to this kid and how much he fought to be on the field as a Bearcat. And I can't see that changing anytime soon for him. Oh, no, that's not changing. I mean, he's probably, you know, I don't. It's not fair to everybody else, but like he might be the toughest guy that I can remember playing for UC. Like, yeah, I mean, you just got, but you know, you look at it's been mentioned obviously already on here, but like you, you, you look at the fact that like he's a guy that comes out of high school with the one offer, you know, and it wasn't like it was one offer to you know Alabama, it was you know. To, to Howard and then or even co- like even a coastal like, or something you yeah, know like, like it wasn't a Sun Belt it was Howard yeah it was so a, a guy who probably uh, you know well I mean not probably the majority of the football world was like yeah I mean he can play at the at, at the college level but you know he's not and then he comes here he has he has a, a came pretty, in as a corner the, a pretty good career here at UC and and now he's going going to you know a, a, a top two three AFC team and he's gonna have impact. It's a guy that they're like, yeah, we wanted him so bad, we took him in the second round and couldn't do anything in, in the in the actual like um, <clears throat> NFL combine. Couldn't do anything at pro day no. because of the injuries. Yeah, or or to Dave's point, maybe that maybe somebody told him like. No, nah, you good. Like, man. Nah, you're, you're good. Your, your yeah. tape was everything. Everyone but knows still, what you bring but, to, but the to, table. His, to his toughness he's, and like kind of a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, you like, still want to have him confirm what you see on the tape. So I'm not sure that you know. I probably don't mean it in like they told him to like shut it down, like you hear about in like the NBA draft process. Yeah, where they you know, but like I did find it interesting though. Like the longer it went on, he like still didn't do anything. So I was like, how is this going to affect him in the draft? And it, yeah. it clearly didn't. Yeah, or, well, I mean, it did, I, or it did, and and maybe he was higher. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I still think he kind of, you know, that was was a pretty good sweet spot for him. Yeah, yeah. 
to go to the solid value for the chiefs so (laughs) so then finally finally uh i mean on the nfl draft show uh that we did live on bcj we had gino lined up to talk but we opted out of having gino on the show because gino was at desmond ritter's draft party and it seemed weird to to bring gino on with des not being drafted um so des hears his name finally in the third round day two and he goes to the atlanta falcons where you know he with with rg3 on campus on on campus he ended up randomly picking these atlanta falcon socks socks yeah out of out of the the random numbers he had in his head i don't know if they were random or not but whatever Um, he said he said he went with uh three for um for the uh, soccer Ali, player, Ali Sidlowski. Yeah, that, that that's the way. Um, so so Des ends up going to the Atlanta Falcons. I think it's a home run fit for Desmond Ritter behind Marcus Mariota. What do you say, Dave? I agree. I think he will start at some point this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I have. There's only one thing that worries me about it is that they might still be so bad that they have like a top three or four pick next year and, and picking, picking, him in the thir- picking him in the third round is not going to keep them from picking Bryce Young or <laughs> CJ Stroud if they're in a position to do that. That's no, my but the, whole... the difference is Des has a year under his belt. Right. Like point. he, hopefully he will have gotten yeah. the opportunity to play and show them that I should be the guy, but my concern is like if things go really bad and he also like doesn't play, then that could that's a realistic thing that that could happen because like their roster still stinks big time. Like um, get lost in the shuffle kind of thing. Yeah, but like Alabama still has some really good defensive guys that they could take early. Oh yeah, Will Will Anderson for sure. <laughs> right. Um, but like I, you know, I said build up all the anytime we talked about it i said that all of these quarterbacks were second round guys and then as as we got closer to the draft i said that i thought he would go first because that's just the way that it sounded yeah i'm not i'm am i surprised that him and malik willis didn't make it to the third or didn't go until the third i am a little bit surprised but i'm not totally surprised because usually quarterbacks are drafted a half around to around earlier than any other player that you grade out the same way would be drafted. So the NFL maybe just finally like put proper value on quarterbacks. And when you didn't have a group that were, you know, like last year or even Burroughs year, like, you know, I had a second ground grade on them. So is it that outlandish to, that the NFL saw them as third rounders. Like, I don't think it's that far off. I just think that they finally realized for this class in particular, like we don't need to overdraft these guys. And there's a, an abundance of defensive players. Like the Falcons first two picks. I absolutely love, like love Drake London, love yeah. Arnold Evacetti. Like I wouldn't have taken Des over either of those two guys. And maybe that's where Des makes his haul though, is the fact that you have a, stud at wide receiver you have a freak at tight end and you right like i want to if i'm a quarterback like i want to go into a situation where those elements are already in place and they're just 
and then just adding right. pieces. Yeah. Does right. he beat out Mariota early on? Like mm, I'm, I'm talking I wouldn't like say, I, don't, I wouldn't say early on. Marcus has a, quite a long injury history, so it's only a matter of time. It's all. It, it feels like it's only a matter of time before he gets hurt. But I also wouldn't be surprised if if things aren't going. It's you know if things aren't going well. Why not halfway change? through the season? It's like well, let's put him in and see what happens. I think yeah. it depends on when their when their bye week is too, right? It could. Mm-hmm. That's oftentimes when you see a quarterback change made. So, but, you know, you have a, a new, a fairly new general manager and head coach. So you would think that they have, you know, a little bit of a, a runway that it's not like if, a, if it's a bad season, then everybody gets fired and the new guy comes in and well, we don't like him. So we're going to get a new quarterback type situation, but. Well, a point that Chad brought up last night is the fact that Mariota and Des are so similar as far as comps go that you don't have to change the offense oh, no. really and, for, and for the, one from and, the other. I, I talked about for a long time, like not to brag or anything, but like I, Atlanta was where I wanted him to go because of the way Arthur Smith calls offense and the way that he, he'll use the rollout. He'll use him getting the ball to the tight end. Like he'll do the things – in Dez's skill set that will help him be a really good player. And let's not forget that Dez is uh is is not it's not foreign to him to come in in the middle of a game and just never give the ball back to another quarterback. <laughs> Fair well, enough. I heard what was it in he was going into these meetings telling with a plan laid out telling the coaching staffs how he planned on beating out a veteran and like, you know, earning the trust or like whatever of the locker room. That's fantastic. The other, the other good thing, you know, I mean, so you're saying my dude had a 30, 60 and 90 day plan. He yeah, said, he, this, "What I'm going to do in my first 100 days is come in and take Marcus Mariota's job." Just, that's right. something they teach you in that organizational <laughs> leadership degree program. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's good, Ed. Yeah, uh, but you've got it. You know, you've got a guy in Des. It's he. He's not. You know, yeah, uh, 21, 21, 20. You know what I mean? Like he, he's got a little bit of experience. On he's, he's a true veteran chat. quarterback uh, coming in and. Yeah, yes, he hasn't played in the NFL yet. We know that. Um, but I, I think that he's going to be just fine in Atlanta. And it's one of those things, like you said, like, would you rather go you know, in, in the top 10 or do you want to, you know, go somewhere where it's going to, you know, fit you top five or go somewhere where it's going to fit you the best and, uh, and not go somewhere like, you know, like if he gets drafted by the Bengals, let's say, and, ends up sitting like he's gonna sit behind joe burrow for right, for, that, that right he's gonna sense. hold a clipboard and that's not what he wants to do so so Maje sanders taken with the 100th pick of the nfl draft and made five bearcats in 100 picks averaging one every 20 picks which was absolutely insane um what, what did you think about the fit for Maje going to the arizona cardinals I honestly don't like know a ton about the Cardinals other than Steve Kime, their general manager, makes some really, really weird trades and draft picks. Um, just, just real quick on Des. That that was for me, Dave, because I asked Des. I said, "What are these teams saying to you?" Because it like it was you know Tennessee, Atlanta, like all these places that had a veteran quarterback, kind of 
a stopgap guy. And I was like, what do you say? And he was like, I, I told him, like, you like if I come, if you draft me, I'm gonna be your starter by year two, because that's what I do. Like maybe you need me to sit a year and learn, and you got you know 15, 20 million dollars invested in this guy. I get that. But by the first snap of year two, or maybe you know, the third series of year two, as it were, <laughs> he told these GMs straight up, like, I'm going to win your job and be your quarterback soon. Like, yeah, just like, draft me knowing that. I think it was I'm coming Jer- in to be your quarterback soon. Like Jeremy, Jeremy yeah. Fowler from ESPN, I remember, like, had a hit and was just talking about, like, some of the stuff that he was saying that was, like, you know, similar similar yeah. to that. Like, laying out, like a, like Ed said, a, here's my 30, 60, 90 plan for beating your beating out your quarterback. Right. <laughs> well, like, when they, when they talked to him, I, I want to say it was ESPN because I think I was watching ESPN. Um yeah, you know, they talked. They went in to, to talk to him after he was, you know, he was actually still on the phone with the Falcons. I think when they they went to him, but like the intensity in his face during the I interview, so mad. Like you could just tell. And then he was like, "I'm not leaving Atlanta until I get a Super Bowl." So I don't him. Like, and I don't that's know that's why. a guy that that's a guy that's saying that that you're like. Well, um, I saw what he did here, so <laughs> I believe I guess, him, yo. Like, go I don't ahead, know and, why? But I do. Somebody needs to go ahead and start planning out a uh, Super Bowl parade route down there in Atlanta and figure out how they're going to get that around all that awful traffic. Oh, <laughs> all right, you they can come back in. Then. I was just going to say that that's a conversation I literally had with Dad, Des one day during spring football. Because I was like, what are you know, what are these meetings like? And like, what are what are they asking you? And he was like, they're asking me if I mind coming in behind like a veteran. And I was like, no, that's fine. I'll come in behind a veteran, but by year two, I'm gonna be your starting quarterback. So just prepare. Like, just know that that's how this is gonna happen. Just prepare to, to take on a thirty million dollar dead money cap hit. <laughs> right. <laughs> off, off the organization. <laughs> Uh, but but Majay, I'm just glad that it doesn't appear like that his super weird pre-draft process affected him a ton. Um, the birth of his child and losing weight because he was sick. Then yeah, then putting it all back on like it right. was just a vi- not doing anything at the yeah. at the at the pro day after having the weird combine. Like none of it made any sense to me. But it doesn't appear that it hurt him in a huge way like maybe he would have gone in the third round if he ran a little bit faster um but you know i i can't really i don't know what their defense is and their depth chart i know they lost chandler jones so they have at least one one possible i don't know who they replaced him with but i mean fourth fourth round pick i mean they're gonna ask him he was he was a third round guy was it it still in the third yeah Mm -hmm. oh okay then yeah, yeah I mean, you, you had him as a fourth round in your predictions early yeah, on. Okay. So they're going to ask him to come in and, and be a situational pass rusher at, at worst to start and, and see what happens from there. Did I say fourth round when when I announced it? I get, con- I get confused with the comp picks it, it, it and was on the, like, It was on the cusp. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, the Bengals had ninety five or nine. Yeah, ninety three or ninety five, and then. So hundred, yeah, hundred would have been like a comp pick in the 
at the end of the third round. Because then Kobe was 109, so that was the beginning of the fourth. Well, and that Mm -hmm. takes us to the Kobe pick. So Kobe ends up in Seattle, where he claims that he always looked up to the Legion of Boom and what they were able to do with with, uh, Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor. And I always forget the third one. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. We've all apparently forgotten the third one. Um, Byron Maxwell. No. Yeah, he was there. Was he? Yeah. Not Vernon Maxwell. That's who I was thinking. I was like, he's a rocket. He he played for the Rockets. (laughs) Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas. That's the one I forget. Um, So Kobe ends up though in Seattle, and I think it's fantastic. They drafted two corners, so they like pretty close to each other. So they obviously have a pretty big corner need. Um, two guys that are like polar opposites too. Kobe's like the technician, the um, Thorpe award winner, Thorpe award winner. Like, and then the other guy they took, they took the Tariq, um, the Tariq Cohen, or that's the bears guy, but the one dude from like it is, yes. Texas, Texas San Antonio, that's like six, four, Ran a four two six, like was the converted wide receiver, like the total project corner, and then the five year, like you know, conference, you know, all American type guy. So, but again, like he's he's you know he's just Kobe's limitations from a speed standpoint are going to keep him you know on one side of the field and in in certain systems, and he's going to work his ass off. So we'll, ju- you know, you're just gonna have to wait and see ha- how the how the speed, um, speed deficiency, I think affects him. But again, like solid organization, had a corner need, so he's gonna yeah. get enough. He's gonna get an opportunity. Like still fourth round. Like we talk about when you have these guys that go earlier. Like fourth round is still like legit. Expected to come in and contribute as a make rookie. It, yeah, make make some waves. So Kobe was the fourth pick of the fourth round. Jerome Ford was the fourth pick of the fifth round. And then Darian Beavers was the fourth pick of the sixth round. So Ford is probably the spot that perplexed me the most. I think they're just, they have to be looking for a speed element at the, at that position. Cause they have three pretty damn good dudes. And I've seen some yeah. stuff that like, maybe they're going to move on from cream hunt. Um, well, he he does have a contract. Both him and Chubb. Did they have they extended Chubb yet? I don't think so. I think they're both on contract years, but I think everyone's they're not re-signing uh, both of them. Everyone's on the understanding that Nick Chubb is the guy that you go with, as his yeah wear, wear and tear has been minimal because of Kareem Hunt and yeah and Dearness Johnson. So yeah. I just think speed element maybe you know best player available at that point in time. They like to run the ball. So I mean, if they do move Chubb, or if they do move, if they do move Hunt, Green or Hunt. something happens there, he's going to get touches. Like the Browns have an offensive line; they've got they. We know they want to run the ball. So again, fit. Like, okay, if I'm going to come in and be your a backup running back, like yeah, put me to a place where I have chances to get like legit carries. Like, it'd make no sense for the Bengals to draft him. Like he's not going to get carries. They don't. If if you were cutting Samaj P. Ryan, you still not getting that many carries. Not many, no. But it would make more sense. Yeah, I guess, I mean, than, but than right, Cleveland. If, but 
as a fifth round pick, I'd be like, why are we taking a third running back? Unless we're going, you know, unless we're going to do something to the roster that you don't know about at that right. time. So we're, I don't know. Oh. Just that, that one was the one that, that made me scratch my head, I guess. Makes me sad to see him go to Cleveland. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm happy he got drafted, but I wish. He, hopefully, I don't have to cheer for him to fumble. He's like there he, with he's exactly. there with Hudson. He he is there with Hudson. So at least there's a guy there that he has an immediate connection with. <laughs> um, but yeah, it should be uh, interesting to see what Cleveland does with. I, I can't imagine you go into game one with four running backs on your roster. No, I mean he's he's got to he's got to fight to make to make the team. He might but be I, th- pra- I think I think he'll land on his feet regardless. He, yeah, he yeah, might be a pra- but he might be a pra- practice squad guy. So we'll see. Um, but then Darian Beavers to the Giants again, like I said, is the fourth pick of the sixth round. So what were your thoughts on on the, the Darian Beavers I'm, fit? I'm worried about Beavers. And well, because why. they also took Micah McFadden, who everybody knows you is stole, God's, you stole my damn joke, Aaron. God's gift, right? I mean, you take the greatest player in Indiana University <laughs> football history at the same position. Same round, wasn't it? I, I hell, I don't know. I, McFadden like, may have been fifth round. I mean, I, I don't know if Beavers can make the team fighting Mike and McFadden for a spot. <laughs> and oh, they're, very, guys. they're very different. <laughs> the greatest player in Indiana oh, University sure. football history. I don't, know, I, mean, I don't know if your listeners will find that as... Uh, Mike McFadden was so good that the head coach disowned his own son. <laughs> wouldn't, was, let, wouldn't let his own son carve the turkey at Thanksgiving. It wouldn't let him eat at the at the adult table. At the, at the adult table, he made him sit at the fold-out table <laughs> behind the <laughs> over in the kids' room. That's a callback joke if I've ever heard. Yes. Oh, it's it's a joke that in Bearcat Journal history, like, will never die. No. No, can, no. I can always pull that bad boy out on Twitter, which I did over the weekend. When, well done. But um, but he's he's this is kind of one <clears throat> excuse me, like my day with the Cardinals that I just don't know a ton about. I know that Wink Martindale is their DC who was with Baltimore, so he's got he'll probably have Darian Blitz in a ton. Yeah. The GM and head coach came from Buffalo when they have turned things around recently. So I think from an organization standpoint, they're going in the right direction. Um, the quarterback still stinks. Their head and coach was a defensive guy. No, Brian Dayball is an offensive guy. Is he? Oh yeah. Like he was Alabama's OC a couple years ago before he went to Buffalo, okay. Buffalo's OC. I, yeah. I guess I just look at him and I think he's a defensive guy. Yeah. Short little round dude with a short yeah. head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I think good organization Trending in the right direction. Got to figure out quarterback and and some stuff on offense that the last regime kind of royally effed up. Um, but you know, I thought he'd go higher. There was a lot of buzz about him after the Senior Bowl, and that kind of just sounded seemed to just die. Yeah, uh, I didn't hear anything about him leading up to the draft itself. So, you know, he'll have a, a fight to make a roster, but you know, we'll see how it goes. And then Curtis Brooks goes in the sixth round to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, and he was the last drafted Bearcat before we get to the uh, the the handful, uh, not even a, a full handful, but a couple of uh, UDFAs. But um, Brooks Brooks to the to the Colts. Super pumped about that one too. Like I kind of had the same reaction as as Cook when I saw him get drafted. Um, 
just because I like the guys worked so hard. Yeah, came back for a sixth year was was dominant. I mean, you look at PFF like he was the best defensive tackle in college football from like a met, a scoring grading type standpoint. Uh, you know, obviously he's going to fight his athletic and physical limitations, and I have no idea what the Colts do defensively or who they have on the defensive line, but. Uh, you He'll know, also you, work his ass off, though. Right. You get drafted yeah. in the sixth round, though. That's the thing. Is like, does he make the team? I don't know. But he's probably going to make the practice squad, especially with the practice squads expanded to like 17 guys the last couple of years. So sixth and seventh round picks anymore aren't just like cast out of the league. Yeah. Uh, you know, if they don't make the team like they kind of used to be. So kudos to him. Again, not far from, from here anyway. Um, and he's got Alec Pierce with him up there. So well, and and Michael Young Jr. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, like we said with with um, Alec, just another good organization. Like, well, they came it. down. They came down and did some like super secret oh, yeah, spy they did a work, private workout with Dez, Alec, and Mike. Yeah, where where they were just down here to check on Dez and and work Dez out. But that was where they fell in love with Alec Pierce. That was where Michael Young was also there, and they ended up falling in love with Michael Young, who ended up being an undrafted free agent yeah, to pick up. It's, by a them. Good, it's a good spot for him. Like when you're an undrafted free yeah. agent, you can either go for the money or you can go for the spot the you fit. have the best chance the to best make the team. And I don't think he's going to make the team, but like their receiver group isn't anything outside of Pearson, Michael, and uh, Michael Pittman. Like Pittman. you have Paris Campbell, who's always injured. Who still hasn't done anything? You got. I don't even know if they, if they still have T. Y. Hilton. He's almost out of the league at this point. I mean, point. he almost retired like three, three the last three years. Yeah. And then you got like just a bunch of other dudes. Like, so he's got. You know, we'll see. He's got a shot. So we covered. We covered Michael Young. Then um, also an undrafted free agent pickup. Um, the the Michael Young, I believe, was just a camp invite. He's not actually. No, they they signed him. Did they actually sign him? Yeah, okay. he, they they signed him. Um, the other sign was uh, the Saints signed Joel DeBlanco at linebacker. Yeah, awesome. I didn't see that. Yeah, he was signed uh, almost immediately as soon as the draft was over. He was the first Bearcat off the board. Um, so the robot Joel DeBlanco goes to the Saints. I think it's an excellent opportunity for him. What were your thoughts, Dave? Yeah, I agree. I mean, they got I know Pete Werner from Ohio State had a really good rookie year as a linebacker. Um, but you know, you just want you just want an opportunity. Like you want to, and that's, guys are going to get it now. You get you get way more of an opportunity now than you used to. You, starters and stuff are playing in way less of the preseason games. Your your practice squad practice squad rosters are twice the size that they used to be. So you just you're getting more chances to show off your ability and that's you know that's all you want like and, yeah and maybe this maybe this is a bit of uh homerism because we are bearcats fans uh i just the guy the guys that have been on this team the last few years obviously and then like the, this this group of guys that are went through the draft process this year and then some of them that are you know these undrafted i just feel like i feel like they have a little bit of that extra edge of like they were always like anytime, any, yes anytime you looked in in the 
you know, in the media on sports, like there there wasn't a lot of like like rooting for the Bengal or the, the Bearcats guys. Like they they understand what it means to to scratch and claw and fight for every last thing that they earned, any of the recognition they got, like all of that. I feel like they've got a little little extra chip on their shoulder. Do we, do we dare say that they all have a little bit of shit in their neck? They might have some shit in their neck. You know? I still don't know what that means. Yeah, some of those guys <laughs> might be might be glass eaters. They might I, I don't know, but like I know that one of my friends gets made fun of because they, they say he looks like he has a pack of hot dogs in his neck. <laughs> but is that is that like, the same thing? I, don't I, know, know. I, I, I got a buddy insane. I got a buddy that they call hot dog neck, so <laughs> hot dog I think that's I think that's I think that's a little different. Um, but no, I, I feel like these guys are you know, yeah, you know, they well, they might all be the the quintessential you know, first guy in, last guy out in the facility oh, kind of guys. They're definitely you know, gonna like, make. They're gonna. They're definitely gonna make it where these guys gotta figure out a reason to cut me. And the last one that I haven't retweeted anything about because I, I can't bring myself to do it. Uh Vinny McConnell <laughs> lands with the Pittsburgh Steelers as a as a camp invite. Yeah, I think he's gonna try I think maybe as a center. Um yeah well he, considering there were only what like five, six centers taken in the whole draft. I mean there there is a, a dearth of need yeah, at the I center just, positions. I don't think I just don't think he has the size to get to kind of fit it anywhere else. You know, he's always going to be in that like low three hundreds. Um, you know, and you're looking at guards now that are, you know, sick. You know, just look at the couple they're, of guys. The they're Lorenz Mets. Yeah. The guard used to be too tall. And now, you know, the Bengals have a couple six, five, six, six guys, 315, 330. I think he's, that's his best bet. And, you know, see, see what happens. Well, like I said, I, I I made that joke last night, but I, again, I can't bring myself to retweet anything having to do with Pittsburgh Steelers because fuck them. But um, that's how you really feel, Aaron. Outside of that, I, I think it was a hell of a year for the Bearcats in the draft, even as undrafted free agents. Um, kudos to all these dudes, just making some hay and and fantastic. So, um, this, but this this is something that like. I was thinking about the other day and it's like you go down this list of like the teams right that that our guys from UC went to mm-hmm. and you know the good majority of these guys are going to catch on and, and play and it it kind of makes the NFL season a little more intriguing outside of, of the Bengals right like I C- certainly makes obvious, fantasy football obviously, more interesting. Right. Obviously, like the you know, the Bearcats, it's not like every year we go in and they've got ten guys drafted and they're going, you know, all over the league and you're just kinda like, you know, you watch the game, you go, oh, yeah. Now now we, we you know, we did. We had nine guys we had nine guys go and they're spread out across the league. None of them are on the Bengals. Uh, I, I Tweeted kind of a, a joke that my uh, my closet was going to look like a, a sporting goods memorabilia store, um, <laughs> because I I am I am planning on um, you know there, there's a, a pretty decent uh, supplier of NFL jerseys at, at good rates that I use and and uh, probably they look good uh, helps out the players none. Uh, well, you know what? I don't have that kind of money to help out the players at one hundred and fifty dollars a pop. So fair enough. 
I'll support them at least. Uh, but it, it's just kind of neat to be able to, you know, like watch games throughout the, the season next year and, you know, like, you know, see Sauce out there, Pierce or Ritter. And, you know, oh, like, absolutely. And Ritter, you know, he'll be in the in the red and black still. So, Well, Dave, um, that brings us to our, our quick Reds talk. All right. I got, hit, a, I, got quick, a, I got a question for you. Got all, quick hitter red section. So I just saw that they lost again. Big shocker. Uh, three at a hundred. I think they now are now three and twenty. It is May third. <laughs> Brandon said <laughs> they are three and twenty. Okay, here's here's my question to you guys: The Bengals and Bearcats combined to win twenty six games this oh, year. This is the, the you tweeted this out earlier, yeah, right? I tweeted yeah. it to Mo to see yeah. if he would throw it up it. or something. What day? In the calendar, will the Reds eclipse 26 wins? God. It'll be in July. I think it's I think it's after the I think it's after the All-Star break. September. So they need September call-ups. They would need 24 wins. They're on pace for 21 in the entire season. So they would need to they would need to outpace their current projection. It's so bad. It, it'll be mid like, I, I am not a Reds fan, so but I, I when you're this bad, like I kind of feel bad for the fans that are Reds fans. Um, but like I'm actually more into the Reds now than I've ever been in my life because of Phil Castellini's absurd comments, and I just want to see like how shitty it gets. Well, like, I mean, you like every day it, it keeps they keep losing, and it's just like, where are you gonna go? They're 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 putting you know they're they're putting Votto on the COVID on the COVID IL with yep. with symptoms and saying like oh it's day to day. They're taking Jonathan India and putting him back on and saying he won't be back for two to three weeks, but it's just precautionary. Like it, what are you doing? Like they're, the video, they're the video yesterday of the, the dropping three straight foul balls was like the quintessential. Oh, well, like, that. That was okay, horrible. but like the one, the one you can't really help because it hit the it hit the netting. Like you can't I know, like I that one. I, mean, I didn't even I know. See, like I didn't even watch the whole thing, but so I saw. It was just funny because like, why would just you? A, it, just it the commentators the being like that sums up the red season. Oh yeah. Well, that, that, that's because the the last one, like the first two, you can excuse it hit the netting, like you can't stop that from happening. The other one was like, you know, Brandon Drury almost flipped into the uh, into the camera well, and but the last one was a a lazy pop up right in front of the mound, and they're all like standing there, and they Who's look like it? Who's got they, it? they looked like you know my my son's seven U like coaches pitch team when the ball gets hit in the air and they're all just running around, they're standing in a circle and it like, they just stick well, their glove out. Like the ball's going to land and it hit the ground. And they're like, Oh, I mean this season, Joey Votto for the first time ever, I believe popped up to what the, the, was it the first baseman or the third baseman? Is the, he, he popped, up to, up, the, the he popped up to the pitch. No, he popped up to the pitcher, the pitcher. for the first time. Yeah. For the first time in his entire career. <laughs> Well, is last year, it? last year, the year before was the first time he popped out to the first baseman. Yeah. So like, he's been hitting. I mean, you get this long in, you're gonna you're gonna hit those those milestones, but it's baseball it is, just has to be the worst sport to like have a total shit season at the very beginning too, because you're like, we still have a hundred and forty 
yeah. of these fucking games to go. Okay, well, I got a, I got a question it, for you guys. Does it, does it make you mad that we actually won three games this season? Because I would actually like to see them go. Oh, yeah, it'll be like 0-23. Like, winless. winless. <laughs> yeah, like for the whole season. The, the fact that you split that series with Atlanta and even gave Phil a platform to be like, Look at this series. I know. How bad do those hilarious. other teams feel like we're one of the Reds' three wins? <laughs> what <laughs> the hell happened that day? Well, like the, uh-huh. the Braves. The Braves, like, they they split the, the opening series of the season. No, they were 2-2. The two two. Like, they a, were 500. I'm a, I'm a Mets fan, so I was like, hell yeah, Reds, way to win two games. Like, good job. I, I want the doc, the Netflix documentary 2022, the year the Reds didn't win. Like, that's what I want. Well, I mean, it, it, they might it's, as well do it. I think the last team that like played this bad was like the 1899. Orioles. Eighteen ninety nine, and like, was it? Like, no, no, no. The, I'm talking about. Um, I'm talking about like full season. Like the yeah. Orioles lost 119 games. The uh, the record is the Mets. I Mets. think in yeah, the, in 1962. Like, no, no team has started this bad since 1899. Okay, but that, that okay that team that team was like the Cleveland Spiders, and they started like one in 19. So yeah, like the Reds like can't the worst, surpass them. The worst start so, like, in National League history. But it's it's that bad. <laughs> Did oh, you guys hear awful. the news coming out? Gabp night. I was on Twitter. It says, are you going to put, put Phil in a bag up again? No, it says, my fellow Red. This is actually from Castellini underscore Phil on Twitter. Uh, my fellow Red, since I Reds fans, we have some horrible news about, uh, about the Toyota Tundra in the outfield. <laughs> it has been repossessed due to non payment. Once again, aligning resources. It, that's Did just uh, that guy. That's the guy that's just shit in it. The, the guy that was going to take a shit. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. So, like, I was talking about that the other day with some guys, and, um, it, if this person that that said that has a plan to climb that stack out there, like if there's a way to do it, once somebody starts climbing that, you it's not like they can rush somebody to the top no. to intercept him. No. Like, no, they no. would also have to climb after this person Correct. who none is climbing ushers, up there to shit in the bed are, of the truck. No one's none of those ushers are getting up that thing. No, he, if, if no. that's your intent, you're you're definitely doing it. You're getting it's, away with it. No, until you right. come down. It does look and, like it's that hard to scale. Okay. Uh, I mean, it, lo- it looks, I mean, you have to almost be Spider-Man. But are, still, like, if you have some, like, holes. if some guy shows up out there with some sort of grappling hook that he's able to get a... <laughs> suction cup like, things. Yeah, he's like, don't, 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 like, I'm, all the way I'm up going it. to the game on 4th of July because that's when they play the Mets. I can't wait to see what ticket prices are then. That might be, that might be when, uh... When they get to twenty four wins, so I mean, I said like middle of July. That it, it is that they need, awful. They need, like 20, just... they need 27 wins. Oh, you get a, you get a good tall guy. A, and give you that's a, boost a real and you big ask, Dave. That's a real big ask for a team to win twenty game twenty seven games out of hundred and sixty two. <laughs> like, I mean, of all the times for the Bengals to be awesome and have like a good social media presence and. And like actually get their heads out of their asses for once in like three decades coincides with like the rest having like fair. But they made the they made the playoffs under Marvin like five. No, out of I'm, seven I'm just years. saying like no. the organization though still wasn't looked at like it okay. was now. Like it, all right, all right. the on-field product was fun, but it's like it's totally different now. But the, the fan right. base, You're the right. fan base then wasn't like gelled with with the ownership of the of the Bengals like there was still there was still hate no, for like the we, ownership we weren't in like, like invested into the players like we are like 
No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Dave. Look, exactly. I mean, my, my co-hosts are wearing his and his pullovers. Exactly. That's, that's right. You've been waiting. You've been waiting this whole time to make that joke, Aaron. God, it's a good one, Aaron. I told I told Eddie he couldn't wear it. He had to take it off because <laughs> he, he already wore his. Can't, can't wear uh, the same thing. I didn't get the memo. I'd have worn mine. Uh, I know. Like we could all had our. Yeah, we we all could have had one if Ed would have called Aaron the first time he went up to the outlets. Accurate. But when I went up there, they only had size extra small or whatever for the but one yeah, Aaron the, wanted. The, uh, the old Reds higher ups have got to be like, God damn it! Like, I mean, it, not only do we like, suck, but the other team in town's like really damn good now. And then, and on top of that, on Pittsburgh's top of that, had, better than them. On top of that, you had you had the Bearcats have the season they had. So like, you have a city that's like we, we are like are totally invested in winners, and then they just like. Shit the bed. I mean, it's worse than shitting the bed, Aaron. It, this is like this is way well beyond oh, Amber Heard. Yeah, this is like this the is beginning so of far. major league type stuff. Like this I mean, guy's dead. Well, then cross him off. Yeah, like it's something. And, and there, there was like a there was a, a team somewhere close by that won like this like fake title that they like give out to. Yeah, no one cares. Yeah, um, sorry, Greg. I'm not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Red shit, the tundra. <laughs> I mean, I just I don't know where. I like, honestly, I, like you look at it and where like you can't even. I don't even know where you go. Like okay, maybe like the Dayton Dragons. The Dayton Dragons are 15 and five, but like where does this team go to like? I don't, what do you do to even fix this? Well, that's where are they going to go? Baseball that's like so different. Looks like. The Bengals can fix things in two drafts by drafting two people. Can can change. Now, obviously, there's other parts that big parts that went into that. But like, they drafted a quarterback. They drafted a receiver. They got things figured out. Like baseball doesn't allow you to do that. Right. Like, the Reds aren't going to be in a position to just go buy players to to do it. So like, you yeah, refuse how, to. How does that? How does this like all of a sudden next year is like? Oh yeah, we can totally make the playoffs. It's well, like happening. even even they're like slightly transparent not even really plan that that they like come out with like oh we we want to like home grow our own talent and and we're gonna you know bring it up through the farm system and yeah they've got a decently ranked farm system and whatnot but like everybody says that when their major league team stinks it's all unproven but but exactly that's what prospects are like they're they just have the potential to be good and you know, sometimes you can perform at the at the single A and the double A and the triple A level, and then you get up to the major leagues and you face uh, guys, very- you, you face Bryce Harper and Nick Castellanos and Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and these Noah guys. And, and, yeah, and I mean, suddenly it's, it's you realize. It's very funny like, as like a Mets fan living in Cincinnati, where like I don't give a rip about prospects. I'm like trade them, <laughs> buy guys, like yeah. all of them. Where like in Cincinnati, it's always like, oh, we can't trade this guy. He might be good in 2026, like, <laughs> like, or he might be selling insurance. Yeah, like, at least you can get get like a major league baseball player that you know actually has like hit a major league baseball pitcher. So Jake, I, that, that that's always been my thing. It's like I like in baseball, like this, you've got to be willing to spend money. Like Aaron has beat this drum forever. They're like, stop crying poor. Like either make it happen. Or or find somebody to sell the team to that will. 
And, and I'm tired of this, like, oh, well, if they if they sell the team, they might leave the city. Well, that's fine, because I, I don't want to watch a team that wins 10 games in the first 100 of the season. I don't want to watch that. I don't care if they're the Reds. I'm, I'm, three I'm one of the biggest year. Reds fans in ever, and I, I just don't. I don't want to sit here and watch a team that is losing every night and occasionally puts together. They haven't won a series all year. They they split a series in Atlanta. three games, Jeff. Three. Like so they went they went ninety nine innings without having the lead at the end of the inning. That's ninety nine. We can't talk anymore. It's wild. The Bengals, the Bengals won as many games in January. <laughs> and that was at the that was the, the hardest part of the Bengals schedule. Accurate. Ed, do you do you by by chance have a minute of wrestling? No, I tried to watch uh oh, all right, moving uh, on. Okay, th- right. thanks, Ed. Fine. All right. Way to go. All right, boys. I'm gonna I'm gonna head to bed. Well, that's right. that's actually gonna wrap it up anyway. Oh, thank, now, thank you very much for having me. I we, had a blast. We, we appreciate you, Dave. I know this is way past your bedtime, but we appreciate you uh staying up a little bit later to do draft talk with us and give us not just the Bengals, but also the Bearcats. Um, we again appreciate uh Bengalorian for jumping on with us without the mask, mind you. And uh that was another episode of Pardon the Punctuation. So for my boys, Ed and Jeff. We will see you next week, Tuesday, 9.15. Be here. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.